0: chapter 10 of five weeks in a balloon this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by alexei talander davis california five weeks in a balloon or journeys and discoveries in africa by three englishmen by jules verne translated by william lackland chapter 10 former experiments the doctor's five receptacles the gas cylinder, the calorifier, the system of manoeuvring, success certain. The attempt has often been made, gentlemen, said the doctor, to rise and descend at will, without losing ballast or gas from the balloon. A French aeronaut, M. Meunier, tried to accomplish this by compressing air in an inner receptacle. A Belgian, Dr. Van Heck, by means of wings and paddles, obtained a vertical power that would have sufficed in most cases, but the practical results secured from these experiments have been insignificant. I therefore resolved to go about the thing more directly, so at the start I dispensed with ballast altogether, excepting as a provision for cases of special emergency, such as the breakage of my apparatus or the necessity of ascending very suddenly, so as to avoid unforeseen obstacles. My means of ascent and descent consist simply in dilating or contracting the gas that is in the balloon by the application of different temperatures, and here is the method of obtaining the result. You saw me bring on board with the car several cases or receptacles, use of which you may not have understood. They are five in number. The first contains about twenty-five gallons of water, to which I add a few drops of sulfuric acid, so as to augment its capacity as a conductor of electricity, and then I decompose it by means of a powerful Bunsen battery. Water, as you know, consists of two parts of hydrogen, to one of oxygen gas. The latter, through the action of the battery, passes at its positive pole into the second receptacle, a third receptacle, placed above the second one, and of double its capacity, receives the hydrogen passing into it by the negative pole. Stopcocks, of which one has an orifice twice the size of the other, communicate between these receptacles and a fourth one, which is called the mixture reservoir, since it is in these two gases obtained by the decomposition of the water to readily commingle. The capacity of this fourth tank is about forty-one cubic feet. On the upper part of this tank is a platinum tube provided with a stopcock. You now really understand, gentlemen, the apparatus that I have described to you is really a gas cylinder and blowpipe for oxygen and hydrogen, the heat of which exceeds that of a forge fire. This much established, I proceed the second part of my apparatus from the lowest part of my balloon, which is hermetically closed, issue two tubes a little distance apart. the one starts among the upper layers of the hydrogen gas, the other amid the lower layers. These two pipes are provided at intervals with strong joinings of India rubber, which enable them to move in harmony with the oscillations of the balloon. Both of them run down as far as the car, and lose themselves in an iron receptacle of cylindrical form, which is called the heat tank. The latter is closed at its two ends by two strong plates of the same metal. The pipe running from the lower part of the balloon runs into this cylindrical receptacle through the lower plate. It penetrates the latter, and then takes the form of a helicoidal or screw-shaped spiral, the rings of which, rising one over the other, occupy nearly the whole of the height of the tank. Before again issuing from it, this spiral runs into a small cone with a concave base that is turned downward in the shape of a spherical cap. It is from the top of this cone that the second pipe issues, and it runs, as I have said, into the upper beds of the balloon. The spherical cap of the small cone is of platinum, so as not to melt by the action of the cylinder and blowpipe, for the latter are placed upon the bottom of the iron tank in the midst of a helicoleal spiral and the extremity of their flame will slightly touch the camp in question you all know gentlemen what a calorifere to heat apartments is you know how it acts the air of the apartment is forced to pass through its pipes and is then released with a heightened temperature well what i have just described to you is nothing more nor less than a calorifere in fact what is it that takes place the cylinder once lighted the hydrogen in the spiral and in the concave comb becomes heated and rapidly ascends through the pipe that leads to the upper part of the balloon. A vacuum is created below, and it attracts the gas in the lower parts. This becomes heated in its turn, and is continually replaced. Thus an extremely rapid current of gas is established in the pipes and in the spiral, which issues from the balloon and then returns to it, and is heated over again incessantly. Now the cases increase 1 480th of their volume for each degree of heat applied, if, then, I force the temperature 18 degrees, the hydrogen of the balloon will dilate 18,480, or 1614 cubic feet, and will therefore displace 1614 more cubic feet of air, which will increase its accessional power by 160 pounds. This is equivalent to throwing out that weight of ballast. If I augment the temperature by 180 degrees, the gas will dilate eightieths, and will displace 16,740 cubic feet more, and its accessional force will be augmented by 1600 pounds. Thus you see, gentlemen, that I can easily effect very considerable changes of equilibrium. The volume of the balloon has been calculated in such manner that, when half-inflated, it displaces a weight of air exactly equal to that of the envelope containing the hydrogen gas, and of the car occupied by the passengers, and all its apparatus and accessories. At this point of inflation it is in exact equilibrium with the air, and neither mounts nor descends." In order then to effect an ascent, I give the gas a temperature superior to the temperature of the surrounding air, by means of my cylinder. By this excess of heat it obtains a larger distension, and inflates the balloon more. The latter then ascends in proportion as I heat the hydrogen. The descent, of course, is effected by lowering the heat of the cylinder, and letting the temperature abate. The ascent would be, usually, more rapid than the descent but that is a fortunate circumstance since it is of no importance to me to descend rapidly while on the other hand it is by a very rapid ascent that i avoid obstacles the real danger lurks below and not above besides as i have said i have a certain quantity of ballast which will enable me to ascend more rapidly still when necessary my valve at the top of the balloon is nothing more nor less than a safety valve The balloon always retains the same quantity of hydrogen, and the variations of temperature that I produce in the midst of this shut-up gas are, of themselves, sufficient to provide for all these ascending and descending movements. Now, gentlemen, as a practical detail, let me add this. The combustion of the hydrogen and of the oxygen at the point of the cylinder produces solely the vapour or steam of water. I have, therefore, provided the lower part of the cylindrical iron box with escape pipe, with a valve operating by means of a pressure of two atmospheres, Consequently, so soon as this amount of pressure is attained, the steam escapes of itself. Here are the exact figures. Twenty-five gallons of water, separated into its constituent elements, yield two hundred pounds of oxygen and twenty-five pounds of hydrogen. This represents, at atmospheric tension, eighteen hundred cubic feet of the former and three thousand seven hundred eighty cubic feet of the latter, or five thousand six hundred and seventy cubic feet in all of the mixture. Hence the stopcock of my cylinder, when fully open, expends 27 cubic feet per hour, with a flame at least six times as strong as that of the large lamps used for lighting streets. On an average, then, and in order to keep myself at a very moderate elevation, I should not burn more than 9 cubic feet per hour, so that my 25 gallons of water represent 636 hours of aerial navigation, or a little more than 26 days. Well, as I can descend when I please to replenish my stock of water on the way, my trip might be indefinitely prolonged. Such, gentlemen, is my secret—' It is simple, and like most simple things, it cannot fail to succeed. The dilation and contraction of the gas in the balloon is my means of locomotion, which calls for neither cumbersome wings nor any other mechanical motor. A calorifer to produce the change of the temperature, and a cylinder to generate the heat, are neither inconvenient nor heavy. I think, therefore, that I have combined all the elements of success. Dr. Ferguson here terminated his discourse, and was most heartily applauded. There was not an objection to make it to it, All had been foreseen and decided. However, said the captain, the thing may prove dangerous. What matters that, replied the doctor, provided that it be practicable. End of chapter ten of Five Weeks in a Balloon Recording by Alexey Talander, Davis, California. www.alexeytalander.com